boils and ghouls. Turn out the lights. And keep the popcorn coming. Because it's time for another episode of Fright Fights Podcast. Fright Fights Podcast. Get ready for your gore gang. Tyler Cavett, Chris Lax, and Mike McKinney tackling horror news, reviews, and fight for their survival. Coming to you from the Fright Fights Fear Lodge. Get ready to sink your fangs into a battle that will make your blood run cold. This is Fright Fights. Is Fright Fights. It's a new year, it's a new us. Welcome to Fright Fights Podcast. Well, I like it. A little Boston. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> How are you guys enjoying the new year so far? It's been a long year. <laughs> it's been a long year. We haven't <laughs> done a podcast since last year. I know, yeah. it's been so long. Did you guys get anything horror-related for Christmas? My son did. He got a little little Michael Myers figure. What, like, figure. Like, um, the tune... The horror tunes or whatever, like they're kind of cartoonish. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. My wife got me one of the Evil Dead uh, Ashes, the Tiny Tunes or Terror oh, Tunes cool. things. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, and um, also got a uh, Friday the Thirteenth T-shirt and a Critter sticker. Thank you, Tyler. Hey, yes. Merry Christmas. <laughs> hey, Happy New Year, Chris. Why are you bringing it up? I gave it to you last year. no listen it's already okay so we're only on january 5th right now and 2023 has already proven to look like it's going to be a huge year for horror so we get the evil dead rise trailer you guys watched it we have megan coming out which has been opening up to rave reviews which was definitely unexpected we have the new have you guys seen the new trailer that came out just today as of we're recording this with um it's like a Dracula almost, but it has. Have you seen it? Mm, fucking it Nicolas Cage. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a Renfield. Yeah, it's Renfield. Yeah. And that looks so fun. It's like a Dracula meets John Wick with Nick Cage as well. It's great. I can't wait to see that one. When you have Nicolas Cage doing his Nicolas Cage esque voice, and he's like, I'm Dracula. Like, it's the funniest thing. Like, I can't wait to watch this movie because it's going to be so awful. <laughs> I think it's gonna be good. I'm excited. Which I, I think whenever somebody has like Nick Cage in the movie and they know like how to use Nick Cage for all of his like Nick Caginess, it's perfect. I love it so much. Like there's some like movies who's like he's like trying to play a completely different character and it doesn't really work with Nick Cage. But whenever he's just so over the top, like with Mandy, let's say, he just does such a fantastic if he has the right director attached, he does a really good job. It's gonna be an interesting year. Yeah, so what do you guys think about the Evil Dead Rise trailer? Because this one kind of looks a little different. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm for it. Like, I'm um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I have some problems with it. It's I do. Uh, what are your problems? 
what what doesn't Christopher <laughs> like about it? <laughs> all right. Okay, so first of all, first of all, the the smiling lady in the poster and in the trailer, it's too much like Smile. It looks like they're trying to make Smile just in the world of Evil Dead. Second of all, it doesn't even feel like an Evil Dead film. It still feels like those new age modern horror films. Like it doesn't, nothing in that trailer reigned Evil Dead to me at all. I kind of got that as well. Um, but you see, I, I don't know, I always compared it to, I think it's closest to the Evil Dead remake with that vibe. Even though it doesn't feel like the Evil Dead remake, it still has that kind of like aesthetic, I guess you would say. But overall, I think that this is definitely a completely new direction. And if you think about it, almost every single like horror film that's came out in the past two or three years has all been changing direction. So it's like all the legacy characters are finally just disappearing one by one, which is kind of sad. But then also like it was bound to happen eventually. And this is the this is the time for Evil Dead. I mean, obviously, with um, what was it? Ash vs. Evil Dead was the last one. And that was like the yeah. TV series, and that was kind of, I guess, his send off. I, I thought he was, I thought it was gonna come back pretty strong because if you remember in the remake, there was like the post credit scene where he's like groovy, and then I'm like, okay, come on. And then they have Ash versus Evil Dead, so I'm like, well, maybe Bruce Campbell's gonna be heavily involved. So to know that, you know, he he gave him his praise though, he was okay with it. It seemed like so. I'm excited to see. It. I think it looks kind of fun. But again, yeah, I do agree, Chris. It's not very evil deadish. Yeah, there's some really cool scenes in it though that that did like make me cringe. There's a scene with something going toward an eye. Uh, I'm not sure what it like a claw or something. I don't know what it was, but it's something sharp going toward an eye. That was kind of cringeworthy. But then there's that scene in it as well where they looks like it cuts the uh, the arm or something like that. Like you get like the I can't describe what, what it is. I don't know if it's an arm or a leg or something like that, but it looked really, really painful. Mm -hmm. And I really cringed on that one. Uh, so, I mean, the effects look okay, but I mean, it looks like they've taken everything that can be an Evil Dead film and just taken that away and just made a regular film about somebody being possessed by, except for the book. The only thing they can connect you to it is that book. Yeah, that's kind of like what I was wondering too. I was like, you know, what about this? Are they able to say it's the Evil Dead? So, what necessarily would classify as an Evil Dead movie? And I guess they're thinking, well, the Necronomicon's involved, so that's that makes it Evil Dead. They can do whatever you want as long as you have that. Kind of like with the Amityville sequels, it's just like as long as you know it has the word Amityville in it, we can do pretty much whatever we want. <laughs> Are we going to get to the status of like Evil Dead Thanksgiving, Evil Dead Christmas? <laughs> That'd be hilarious. You better watch out this year. So what have you guys all watched over the holiday season? I ended up watching uh, The Menu. Have you guys heard about that? Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was I was really excited because I was wanting to see that one in theaters. And it just came out on HBO Max. So yes. I'm excited to actually sit down and watch it finally. And I just did that yesterday. So we both could talk about this at least. Yeah, man. I like uh, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. It was different, more kind of a psychological thriller. I, I you know, in my opinion, but uh, I enjoyed it. It was a good movie. We can talk about it. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so 
Um, I think that it definitely was more funny. It almost, it doesn't yeah. necessarily really walk the line. Of, it walks very thin line between horror and like dark comedy. And it definitely was more of a dark comedy to me, I thought, than horror. Um, oh, yeah, I think that Ralph Fiennes did great. I think Anna Taylor-Joy did great. Nicholas Holt playing the character Tyler, he did great. And yeah. Um, yeah. I like how each section of the movie also kind of... So, for anybody who hasn't seen the menu, I, we won't spoil it too much, but definitely go check it out first on HBO Max. But they actually section all this out as, like, dishes. So, instead of, like, chapters or, like, acts or whatever, it's actually separated one by one through, like, what dish they're on. And I think that's a really nice kind of touch because it is called the menu after all. I thought Ralph Fiennes was incredibly, like scary like he like the, the chef the oh, main guy yeah. i thought he yeah. did a really really good performance yeah i agree man i thought he like he was the movie in, in my opinion like his character his role like you paid attention to him because he was like i think he was the the main focus point um but it was just it, like you said it was a very dark like kind of dark comedy psychological thriller maybe not really horror but uh i guess i was always waiting for something like horror related to happen like something dramatic and it just never did but overall it was a different twist i i really enjoyed it i really i mean yeah so to me like it was like the last 20 25 minutes and went super horror like the first let's say like hour hour 10 minutes that first two acts necessarily was just dark comedy and i think it definitely was meant yep. to be a dark comedy it was always written that way you could tell so um for anybody listening um this is basically the menu is about these this a like, couple you think at the time has been invited to attend this like super prestigious restaurant and as they they have to like access it by boat it's hard to it's hard to get there it's super 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 like difficult to get in as well you have to get like a personal invite from the chef they travel on boat, they get to this remote island that's somewhere off the shore to where they can't access the mainland without a boat. And they get this grand tour when they get there. They're greeted and they like show them like, hey, this is where we raise our chickens. This is where we, you know, slaughter our pigs. We age this meat for approximately like 152 days and all this stuff. And then finally they get to the restaurant entrance. And as they get seated down, you kind of learn a little bit more about their story. And then it just starts completely harmless. Um, and then little by little through each dish, it starts uncovering more about the characters. And eventually I would say they're at the end of the second act is when you notice it finally gets dark. And um, mm-hmm. I, I, I hate to spoil it because I want Chris to really watch this and think he would like it. But um, I do want to say that there's a scene where it really changes tones. It is um, the scene where the chef calls around his sous chef and oh yeah Yeah. yes right they've decorated they've like put this like mat down and he's like this is my sous chef but i forgot the guy's name and he was like you'll never be as good as me yeah you're good but you're not you'll never be me yeah exactly and he's like yes chef and he's like and you you know your food could never compare to mine right he says yes chef he goes Truthfully, you went to culinary school and tried to duplicate what I'm doing here, and you'll never, ever be able to do that, will you? And he was like, no, chef. He said, so what are you going to do? And then he just, like, pulls out a gun and shoots himself in the face. Oh, and dude. It's great. At that moment, everybody starts freaking out. 
So all of like the patrons is like standing up, like or trying to leave or whatever. And then they realize they're not going to get out whenever they pull this one guy aside and like staple him down. It's brutal too, because like they like hold his hand down and they're like left yeah. or right. And he's like not saying anything. They're just like, I'm going to ask one more time, left or right. And there, he doesn't say anything. She said, okay, left it is. And then takes this like butcher knife out and just chops Thank his God. hand off his fingers. And he's like screaming so, and crying. It's crazy. What what did you think the connection with the uh, the Margaret carry, uh, character and the older guy, Richard? Was Margaret, okay. do you think she was like a prostitute or like kind of a, a like, um, I don't know. I guess just I don't know, like a date or something. What did he did? Did they cheat? Like it never really gave that story. So yeah, um, Margaret, which is played by Anna Taylor's Joy character, um, she is a prostitute. You don't know that though. So essentially, well, here's the thing: she is a prostitute, but she's also I feel like pretty much does anything for like a side hustle, like money wise. So yeah. you don't really know, but you think that they're dating at the beginning. So there's two characters: one's named. Tyler, that's played by Nicholas Holt. One is um, Margaret, which is played by Anna Taylor Joy, and that's how the the film starts: is them two talking together. And you kind of like know from the get go that they're not really together, but they are. And you're like, wait, are they dating, or are they friends, or like they just meet each other? What's going on? And it's not right. until later on that you finally realize that they don't really know each other too well. And then eventually, it's kind of revealed that. She had slept with this like older man that was in the restaurant as well. She had been like, I'm, I'm guessing like, prostituting the streets. But essentially what yeah. happened was Tyler hired her to come to the restaurant with him because his date belled last minute. Like his he got like it was broken up with or something. And essentially he just needed to have another person come with him because they did not accept reservations for one. If you remember in the film, he's like, they only accept reservations for two. Yeah. So he yeah. had to hire her or he wouldn't be able to come. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. It was really just a God. It, a lot. I mean, it's one of those movies. It's I won't forget. You know, it's it, it was it was definitely unique. Definitely a unique show. Oh, yeah. It's probably the most original film this year. And it might be the most original film in the past couple of years. Um, the last yeah. 10 minutes, if anybody's watched Midsummer, um, the last 10 minutes is almost exactly how Midsummer would end. Um, and it's it's pretty brutal. It's pretty crazy. You know it's coming, but it's still shocking. Like, they let you know, like, hey, this is coming. Like, the entire movie alludes to it. And you yep. think there for a while they're going to get out of it. And then when it actually does happen, you're like, wow. You know, it's it kind of feels like, yeah. wow. It's in your face, so. Definitely would recommend it. So I'm going to give my rating. Um, I would easily give it an 8 out of 10. I liked it that much. It, it did have its fair share of a couple of small issues. Um, pacing was beautiful. Directing was beautiful. Uh, great cast. Great story. So it's a solid film. Oh, yeah. Um, I I'll, I can back that. I mean, that's a really strong number. I would probably say 8 as well, just for the simple fact. I think it was beautifully shot. Like, I think the whole movie was shot very well. I think, like you said, the acting was phenomenal on all levels from even the, uh, the from all the chefs, even the uh, the co-workers, the uh, waiters and waitresses. I thought everybody played a creepy kind of a creepy vibe when it came to the island people. 
the main chef was just hands down, two thumbs up. I mean, as a, as his role. And then, uh, Margaret, like, I really liked her character, Margaret. She was like, just didn't give a shit about anything. She was like, this, this is how I'm going to roll. This food sucks. I hate it. And, uh, I just liked her character. She was very like, you know, she, she had, she had a backbone basically. So yeah. Um, all around eight out of 10 is a solid, solid rating. Well, before we move on to, I wanted to mention, because I just remembered. So Margaret with the cheeseburger, the scene was yeah. absolutely, that was the biggest, like, fuck you, hilarious scene I've ever seen in my oh life. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you like, take I think out of that? So, okay. Here's how, I think you could take a couple different things out of it. So the main thing that I got was she learned that obviously the chef has a you know Michelin five-star restaurant in the middle of this remote island and where he's at now is in such a great place. But she learns that he used to just flip burgers for a living. That was it. Like he used to work at a diner. And I think that she took that and he's put so much, you can tell like he put so much into his life. And the reason these these people at the, the island were being killed uh, at like this particular day was for one, it was kind of like a, you know, they were all rich. They were all kind of like snobbish. They all kind of had this like agenda against him. They kind of like was like hurting him and stuff. But at the same time, he wanted to create that experience. Like if you remember, he was so for creating a memorable, like beautiful food experience mm. for them. And they were part of the last dish. And that's what made it so like intense and beautiful. So yeah. there was that, right? But at the same time, um, where, he, where he came from that kind of low-end background, I think that she kind of like said, hey, look, you know, your food sucks. You're cold. You don't have any kind of personality into it. It's not made with any kind of love, integrity. The dishes are you know, horrible. We hate it. I'm starving to death. And because like, it bothers him throughout the entire movie that she's not eating his food. And yeah. I think that whenever she was like, he was like, what can I make for you? And she was like, I want a cheeseburger. And then like, he like makes that cheeseburger and she's like, how much will that run me? And he's like nine ninety five, And she's like, yep. does that come with fries? And it's just like the exact middle, like, you know, you would get in a diner. So I think that he kind of felt that like love for cooking again, because that was the first thing he actually cooked himself without having like people help him or chefs. So he was able to embody his start and he was able to like make her happy, make something that she actually did want to eat. So what happened? He let her go. And that's just because he felt like so satisfied in that moment. Gotcha. That's yeah. But do you think that, that cheese burger, I, I, the cheese I just want to say phenomenal. I'm a little let down with both of you guys. <laughs> Why? You both missed the opportunity to give your rating as an order number eight or a combo <laughs> number eight. I mean, that is appropriate. You, I mean, <laughs> they would have ate. You that definitely shit need out. to watch out, Lars. They would have ate it up. Is that what it is? Ate it up. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to give it a chance. It's on HBO Max. Um, I plan on watching it. I just don't know when I'll get a chance to actually go through and sit down and watch it. Well, we spoiled the whole narrative. Well, actually, we really didn't spoil it. It's so deep yeah. that you will get more yes. out of it. I, I, it's good. I will give your rating a order number eight out of ten. Period. <laughs> what did you get around the watching, Chris? Uh, so I, I, I haven't really watched anything new. Um, 
I kind of sat back and just kind of relaxed and watched, like rewatched a few things. Um, watched uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, but the main thing that I watched is a rewatch from a movie uh, by Adam Green called Digging Up the Marrow. I don't know if either of you guys have seen it, but it's actually a really, really good found footage movie. Oh, yeah. 100%. I love that movie. I love Adam Green stuff. I remember the first one I watched was um, Frozen. Yeah. So, Mike, I know you're a fan of, of found footage, and I think you would really, really dig this. So he plays himself. Adam Green plays himself. And if you know Adam Green from Holliston or anything, you know what kind of person he is, and he really is playing himself. And he's a filmmaker who wants to make movies. And um, there's this guy that sends him a letter that says that he has found an actual monster and he knows where the monsters live. So Adam Green is like, yeah, I'm going to go and you know videotape this guy for a documentary because he's full of crap and just see how wild things get. And so he finds this guy, he goes and film and, you know, does a documentary and unbeknownst to him, there are places where monsters exist, or at least you think you don't know. It's like one of those things you don't know what you're seeing or what you're hearing. And so Adam Green is stuck in this whole thing. Is this guy telling the truth? Is what's happening out here? Is this real? Or am I hallucinating? Or am I seeing things like what's going on? And it just takes a turn, like really, really creepy. Um, about the halfway marker and it's really really cool really interesting very atmospheric as well it really kind of puts you in like that it kind of gives you that Blair Witch feel a little bit throughout the movie as well and it's huh. it's very very cool I think you'd like it Mike it's always yeah. like a movie that gets overshadowed that? That? go ahead Mike sorry yeah oh no oh no no I, what was the title of it again what was the name uh, Digging Up the Marrow Digging Up the Marrow okay yeah, it kind of gets overshadowed because a lot of people really remember Adam Green um, for, what is it, oh my god, Hatchet, Hatchet. the Hatchet series. And this was kind of, wasn't this kind of done in between Hatchet? It was like, there was like Hatchet, Hatchet 2, Hatchet 3, then Digging Up the Marrow, and then Victor Crowley. And I think people kind of just like forgets about Digging Up the Marrow even coming out because no one hardly talked about it. Um, but everybody who has seen it has really loved it, and that I'm one of the, I'm a big fan of it myself. Um, I think he's yeah. film. I don't, there's something about Adam Green's films that's just really fun. I don't know. They're, everything he makes is like fun. I I agree. He's one of my favorite filmmakers, and I wish he would do more stuff. And Holliston <clears throat> is one of those TV shows where if you're a horror fan uh, or if you're a filmmaker and want to make horror movies, like Holliston is the show to watch because it is exactly like fans. It it puts the it puts you in the fan perspective of other fans and filmmakers and stuff. And it really, oh. really is really funny. I love Holliston. I thought we were going to that season three. We never got that season three. I'm still mad about it. I know. Same. <laughs> All right. So um, for my next film, I want to say, start by saying I love regional filmmakers. So I have always, any kind of like, kind of like small indie kind of like filmmaker that's from a particular part of America or wherever they come from, I will. I, I love the hell out of it. I just love everything. So recently, I remember Vinegar Syndrome announcing something called Blood, Guts, and Sunshine. It is a documentary about regional horror filmmakers from the state of Florida. And I was really excited to see this. So I immediately ordered it. Like It sold out pretty quick, too. So um, I actually had a chance to sit down and watch it recently. And let me tell you, I hate saying it because it, it was... It was like a Kickstarter campaign. 
they, I mean, they, they mentioned a couple of the greats, but overall it really kind of fell flat. And um, I think the main reason is, is it seemed like it was almost an advertisement for like super, super low end, really like poorly done indie horror films, but they only really cover like one or two directors. So it starts out basically by mentioning like Herschel Gordon Lewis, which is great. And I'm like, okay, I can get on board with this. And like, they have like an interview with Joe Dante and stuff too. So I was like, okay, this is good. Next thing you know, like 30 minutes in, maybe it just stops everything it's doing. This is a two and a half hour long documentary. Keep in mind. And they bring out, I got my list here because I don't want to like leave these guys out. Cause this was basically like, it felt almost like an advertisement for them as filmmakers so we have steven bureau he is the founder of unearthed films he like focuses on the american guinea pig stories and stuff so you hear him talk a lot amando ala or alaya um clownado bonehill road um he kind of like got like a special thing so it looks like his credits were and then andrew allen which is known for the uh-oh show hellfire brain jacked like films like that. And pretty much it's just these three guys about 75% of the time. And they're pretty much just like plugging their films. And we essentially just see them continually go on and on and on about these films. And after, you know, I, I don't mind them being covered. I think it's it's great to be able to see somebody that's from Florida doing super low budget regional filmmaking. That's great. But whenever you have a story that's supposed to be about or not a story but a documentary rather that's supposed to be about an entire state of horror and you don't mention like half the films that was shot there it kind of like ruins it for you you know after you watch about an hour and a half straight about people basically advertising for their movies it kind of like puts a bad taste in your mouth especially i feel like to the backers because this was again a crowdfunded backed film um, from kickstarter and it was picked up i think by like terror vision which was great as well. Um, and it was on vinegar syndrome. So that's even bigger. And it did sell out. So we have all these things going for it. And it just ultimately, I remember I read this, um, I'm part of the Facebook group and I just remember like two or three people posting their copies saying, whoever wants this, you can literally basically just have it. Cause at this point I don't want it anymore. Mm. And I was like, why are they saying that for? Cause it seems really cool to cover horror films from Florida. And whenever I watched it, I found myself like, you know, I was checking my phone halfway through it. It just went on and on and on about like these films. So um, as much as I would love to suggest it, I thought I was going to come on here just gushing about how great it was and all that. I just I honestly couldn't point somebody further away from it, sadly. Um, there's so many other like regional horror filmmaker documentaries that you could watch or even I'll watch regional horror films. They have some really good ones out um, from Vinegar Syndrome as well that you could just spend your time on instead. So, um, yeah, I I don't think I've ever seen a documentary about horror that was as bad as this. Wow. <laughs> I don't want to give it a. I don't even wow. want to give it a rating. Um, and I I mean I feel really bad for saying that because I really like I said I really wanted to come on here like gushing about how much I loved it, but I just. Half the films I was like, I don't have any interest watching. I'll never watch. I never have watched. I've never heard of most of them. And here I am basically spending like 40 bucks 
or whatever it was on a documentary that's supposed to be covering these films. And we will be covering all of them next episode on. <laughs> yeah. I honestly could. But as much as they talked about each of them and trying to sell them to me, I honestly could probably just talk about them all right now. There's not much to it. All right. So anything else for you, Mike? Um, yeah, did a little cool experiment, uh, experiment. Um, my daughter has to do a project at school and, um, and it's about a m- mysterious places in West Virginia. So we're doing the Mothman. And, uh, so we went up to Point Pleasant, West Virginia and kind of visited like the town and they actually have a Mothman museum, which is very interesting, very cool. And it's almost like the town itself has been stuck in the sixties, it just never moved out. Like it's still there. Um, very, very low income sit like town. It's, it's either you're rich or you're poor and, and, and there's no in between. Um, but to piggyback off of that, we ended up watching the Mothman prophecy. Um, dude, and I've seen it before and it's such a great, like it's a, it's not an amazing film, but it's a good film. It really is. I like Richard Gere. Um, really like him in it. Um, it's it one of those like movies cool. where it, it's one of those movies where I always talk about how good I thought the movie was, and I always liked it, but I never want to go back and rewatch it for some reason. It's a little slow. Like it kind of. It, it's a little. It's a little slow. But once it start, once things start happening, you really realize like how creepy it is, and. Um, one thing I learned when I went to the museum, they they there was a lot of speculation where like there was a TNT building, and there was like uh, chemical acids that were like leaked into the water, the drinking system, like uh, through Point Pleasant. So they shut it off, and then they think a bird or something like that got in there and deformed the bird. Like the bird just grew like almost like human like, and there's just so many different things, but then again, there's really no, there's really nothing like proving it that it, it, it is fake or it is a bird. There's just nothing to like really go on, but a few people keep saying like they still occasionally see this human-like bird that's seven foot tall with a wingspan of like 10 foot wide, and it's it's really creepy. The museum's awesome. It got a lot of good stuff for her little project, but she liked the movie as well. Uh, movies, like I said, haven't watched it in years, but it was a, it was a good it was a good watch. Something I'll say about the movie is the first time I ever watched it, I was attending the Mothman Festival. They have one there every year. It's um, the yeah. first week of September, and um, I mean, like it it was it was great because they did a free screening of the Mothman prophecies. And I was like, you know, how often could you sit in the oldest movie theater in Point Pleasant with a bunch of like horror fans that's attending the Mothman festival to watch the Mothman prophecies in the middle of the same like area that the Mothman was last sighted. So it was, it was a nice yeah. experience. Um, the movie itself, I mean, doesn't really hold up to the hype that I had for it in that moment, I guess you would say, because I had never seen it before. And I was like, this is the right. best time to actually watch it would be, you know, where I was. So, yeah, there's that. But I was I'm definitely very, very like interested in the like the lore behind the Mothman. Um, I've been to the museum. 
And even Point Pleasant in general kind of has this lore around it. You know, you have the Men in Black that, you know, has been decided, they say, that's kind of like alien almost figures that's trying to protect this. Or they might be like part of the like CIA or whatever, trying to protect, you know, not letting anybody know anything about if this creature's real. Then you have the TNT area, which is like, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that's been happening there. The Silver Bridge disaster where, you know, Mothman was apparently attacked the bridge. It collapsed and killed like how many people? Like over 50 or 40 i think it was like 47 total deaths or something like that yeah uh it's insane total uh, yeah and then you also have the the individual people used to see i think his name was injured cold they said they would see this individual just like walking on roads by themselves or like just by itself and like you know people would pull over and like say hey like do you need a ride or something and the and the guy was like a like look him up like googling real quick injured cold it almost kind of like looked like the joker a really odd looking smile um that he he looked like a human but almost deformed in the face and it it really resembles the the, the joker but they said he would always say like uh in due time or your time will come don't be afraid i'll be back to get you or something along, along the lines <laughs> like that and it was wow. just like, people were always just like, what the fuck? You know, like, w- what does that mean? But would never see him again. They would occasionally just randomly see him, and then he would never appear again. But I, I researched him. I looked at, like, I saw him in the museum. And I was like, man, I got to look, look this up more. He was a very kind of creepy, scary scary character. Just the images that, that did pop up researching him. Yeah, he, he injured cold is is actually attached to a lot of alien conspiracies, uh, a lot of weird, strange events that take place. Uh, not only just in in Point Pleasant or West Virginia, but kind of all around the, the nation. Um, there's a TV show called Hellier where they explore um, a bunch of like sightings of what like troll like creatures and aliens, and there's a lot of ties to people who have claimed to see him or have experienced things related to him. It's a weird, just a weird conspiracy theory is all related to him. Agreed. I remember you telling me about that show, I think, Chris. Wasn't that the one you were telling me about, like, last year it came out? Or was it a different one? Yeah, it's been out for a couple of years. It's had a couple of seasons. Um, it's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it. You guys can check it out. Uh, it's about these guys who want to investigate a weird sighting um, of, like, an, a, a troll-like creature uh, in Kentucky, in Hillier, Kentucky. And nobody can can seem to figure out what's going on with this uh, this incident where these people claim to have seen a troll uh, or a creature like a furry creature that attacked them at their house. And they ended up just getting up and leaving their house completely and writing letters to people to help figure out what's going on and then just disappeared completely. And nobody could ever find them anymore. Jeez, I love that. I love like monster kind of things. One place I don't know if you guys did. You guys go to um, the Low Hotel where you were there, Mike? Oh yes, very freaking <laughs> creepy. I, know. I well, took one and, tour and, of the Low Motel, and it was it's chilling. It's very like Shining esque, very like a roller coaster. Oh god, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Now this, uh, <clears throat> so twenty plus years ago, there used to be an old hospital called the Lake and Hospital. It used to be like considered haunted. It was an old, um, I think it was an insane asylum at one point. 
but they closed it. And you could, I mean, obviously it was like, you know, no trespassing, but everybody trespassed to do like ghost readings and things like that. Check that out. It Now, obviously it's been demolished, but there's a sign there where the hospital was like, you know, at, and you can park and kind of read the sign and kind of look out to where it used to be. And you can still feel like the, like we got out and saw the sign and was reading it, you know, and my, we took pictures of it and took pictures where the, the hospital used to be, but it's almost like the air and I'm just not making this up. It's like the air is just thicker there. And um, it's almost like the building's gone, but the, the feeling of not being alone is there. Like when you got out and walked around the, the, the area where the hospital was, it's, it, it almost portrays like you're, you're, somebody's watching you. It's a really creepy vibe still to this day. We did it in the middle of daylight. It was weird. <laughs> that gives me Waverly Hills um, sanitarium vibes. That place. Oh yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. Oh yeah, I, I love as much as I. I think it's kind of like a parrot um, to anybody listening that just as much as we love horror movies, we also just kind of love the horror culture and ghosts, aliens, all kinds of like creepy things like that. Too. There's a lot of great, um, you know, films, documentaries, shows, all that about this too. So we we probably all three could say that we have had our fair share of experience watching these shows i i, I oh, remember yeah. growing up with ghost avengers so that was always my favorite i love ghost yeah. adventures i always uh, was a fan of ghost hunters that was on the sci-fi channel um mm-hmm. when i was in high school yeah i love um my i don't know my favorite guy has always been like um zach baggins my oh yeah, yeah. They, they love the guy so much Every time I see Zach Baggins, I'm always like, I'm not getting him confused with Bilbo, am I? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, guys, we had a a question that was sent to us from a listener of the show. Um, His name is Bill Vagel, and he's from another podcast. He's from Land of the Creeps podcast. So if you guys are listening and you want something else to listen to, guys, check out Land of the Creeps podcast on Spotify. Really cool show. They do a lot of different things. Uh, they've had over 300 and some episodes, and they are still going. They've been going on for a while. Uh, very, very interesting show. There's about five people that are a host of the show, so they're all over the place when it comes to, to things to talk about. Um, but he has a question that he would like for us to answer. Um, and the question he asks is, is there a movie that you watched where you started off thinking the movie was going to be bad, but then ended up liking it after the movie was over? Well, I mean, I guess I can kind of chime in on that because it would be recently, honestly. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a huge fan of the franchise, but Halloween ends because I heard so much negative talk about it because I didn't see it on opening day, which it sucked. Uh, So I had to be really hush-hush, but I did read some reviews and everybody was like how bad it was, how much it, how, how they bashed it. And so obviously I was not, not going to see it, but when I, I did not have, I did not, my hopes were not high because I read so many reviews on online. And then some of my buddies, close buddies that were very big horror fans as well, did not like it. So I, I was kind of scared going into this, but then I when, the I saw Halloween, when, when I saw Halloween ends, I was like, I don't even know if people watch the same movie because like, I loved it the very first time I saw it. 
And then I watched it again on Peacock. Actually, I watched it two more times. So I watched it three times in like two days. And I was like, this this is a great film. It, it's it's nothing like the others. But um, yeah, I remember I remember whenever uh, we were getting ready to go watch it, uh, I was meeting Tyler there, and I was I was reading reviews on it, and I was uh, every single review was just trashing how bad the movie was. And the movie starts, and you hear this weird music, like this DJ, like over top the audio, like "Ah, oh, welcome to Hadfield, Illinois." Ah. And yeah. I was, I looked over at Tyler, and I was like, "What the fuck are we watching? Like, what did we get into?" <laughs> and, we both just started laughing hysterically. Yeah, we had no clue what we were going to be getting into, and ultimately, I ended up really liking the movie as you listened to the last episode. Um. But for me, I think the film that did it, uh, there was a, a really, usually it's like really low budget, like horrible movies that you think is going to be so bad that they're bad. But there was a movie that I watched that was um, that was called Carousel. Um, it's about a killer carousel unicorn that comes to life and kills people. <laughs> and I remember you telling me about this one. Initially, like when I first started this off, like I love movies that take like inanimate objects and puts them in being possessed or come to life. And at first, I thought it was going to be really, 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 really stupid, really bad effects and everything. And uh, even though that the effects were cheaply done and and really silly, the movie itself ended up being really funny. And I just had an overall enjoyment of watching the film. And like I said, at the beginning of it, before anything really happens. I was like, man, this is going to be just boring. Nothing's going to happen. It's not going to be funny. It's just going to be dumb. And then the unicorn comes to life. It starts having these one-liners when it kills people. And it, ultimately, I just found myself really, really having a good time with it. You lost her the unicorn. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so thinking – so obviously that I had some films this year that I knew was going to be bad. Um, but I actually wasn't thinking that they were going to be as good as I liked them. I thought they were much worse, so that was a surprise. But most recently, one film that I thought I was going to absolutely just tear apart and hate was Suspiria. Because Chris knows at least. I don't know if you know Mike, yeah. but I am like yeah. a huge Suspiria fanboy. Love Dario Argento. Um, I think it's a beautifully told story. So whenever I heard they're remaking it, and I, especially when I saw the trailer, I saw it was void of any kind of color or any kind of like, you know, the same filmmaking style. I was like, you know, that just completely took everything that made Suspiria good and ripped it out. And they're remaking just a boring, paper thin, you know, conceptless plot. And I went in the theater just expecting to at least not like it or even hate it possibly. And I walked out just like blown away. Because it not only was just as good, almost. I, I, I can't say that. Never mind. I can't say it's just as good as the original Suspiria because nothing can ever touch that. But I will say it was very, very surprising to see how well it was done. And I do think that the reason it wasn't as colorful and vibrant and interesting and shot the same way as the original one kind of made it even better because it wasn't necessarily mocking or copying something that had already been done before and just copy-paste onto a new story it actually was original it had some like you know really cool concepts and it went places that the original was experienced every year went itself so i think that it definitely was one of those films that it 
completely blew people away that loved the original Suspiria because it was just so interesting and different and fun. So I think that's probably my biggest surprise I've had easily in the last decade. Awesome. Yeah. Well, there you go, Bill. Um, thank you again, <laughs> Bill Vagel from uh, Land of the Creeps podcast. We appreciate you writing in and asking us a question. Uh, we will uh, open up this uh, questions every single week. And I reach out on Facebook, social media, everything to anybody else that wants to ask us a question to answer on air. Uh, feel free to message us and we will uh, we'll do so. So, But uh, yeah. again, thanks, Bill, for the uh, question. Well, guys, it's that time once again for another battle of the horror films. This time around, we decided that for the new year, we were going to look back at the year that was 2022. And like most people, they want to choose the favorite films that they watched throughout the year or do a complete listing of what they watched throughout the year. We, however, like to do things the hard way and the bad way. And we decided that we were going to look back and watch the three worst films that we could think of from 2022 so all three of us picked our least favorite film that we watched made the others watch it and now we're going to review them so to save you all the trouble we're just going to go ahead and tell you that all three films suck and we no longer have to do the <laughs> battle anymore <laughs> yeah it's the worst of the worst yeah do yourself a favor and never watch these movies <laughs> <laughs> we the thing is, so you don't have to yeah. I really <laughs> thought that I watched a bad movie. I was like, man, this is the low, low. Like, it's it's not as awful as some of the movies I've seen, but it's a pretty bad movie. And then I watched the movies that you all chose. And I had oh. so much fucking problems with both of them that it made me oh. almost like the movie that I chose. Chris Lax, your movie I... was absolutely the worst movie known to man. <laughs> I mean, the part that did it for me Wait, well, hey, 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 hey. Oh, okay, hey. okay, okay, okay. I, I'm sorry, I was getting... Uh, I'm you know, sorry, I have to rem- second mic on this one, though. Thank you. This <laughs> We're going to jump this... right in. I think Chris yeah. has the worst film out of the three. There was nothing Fact. redeeming oh, about it. The part that ruined it for me was the fucking hot dogs that they picked up that were Please. not even yes. cold. Okay, I okay. Mean, All right, we'll, we'll start with mine. Tell us about the film. How about you tell us what you liked about yes. it? Okay, so well, I didn't like anything about it, but I had less problems the ending. with this movie That's than what I, I liked had. About it, the ending. I, I heard had you had problems with minimal problems. Yes. So the movie is a, it's okay. First of all, the writer and director of the film uh, apparently was fi- is fifteen years old. Um, he yeah. wrote and directed the movie by himself. I think the budget was around five thousand dollars that he used. Um, so that just saying that right there, and that doesn't excuse anything as being bad, but it does explain a few things. So the movie itself is about a group of kids who take a a trip out to the I think it's Colorado uh, into the wilderness. There's a cabin that they stay in, and on their way there, they come across an old gas station. They decide to stop in and get some gas, and there is a old lady worked in the counter. Um, and by old lady, I, it's an extreme push for that because it does not look anything like an old lady. Um, but she's working the counter and somehow there's like a, a legend or story about the old lady and her son. And to be honest, I don't even remember what the connection is with her and her son. Um, 
but they <laughs> offend the old lady. They leave. They go to their cabin, and sure enough, the killings start happening, um, and characters are picked off one by one. Um, so as Mike was saying, the, uh. in that scene with the gas station, um, this is how bad the movie is. So these characters decide that hey, we don't have any food to take with us on this trip, where we're going to be staying there for a few days. So let's just buy some hot dogs. Oh, look, there's some hot dogs just sitting on the counter in the middle of the store with not refrigerated whatsoever. And they're like, let's just take these and eat them. And it just, I don't know, it's just disgusting. Uh, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, just There's little silly, stupid things like that that just make it a bad movie. But in particular, the very beginning of the movie, it starts off with the character, the main character, who says... Okay, I'm going to take my girlfriend up to this cabin, and we're going to have a weekend there, and I'm going to propose to her because we've been together for three years now. And then it immediately cuts to the girlfriend at her house explaining to her mom, hey, we're going to go on this trip because we're going to celebrate our one-year anniversary together. And at that point, I was already done with the movie. I said, it does not take that much time and effort to look at the two clips back-to-back as they were shown in the film and realized that there was a continuity error already at the very beginning of the movie. So I went into it already mad, not liking the film, but you get into with the, uh, the, the character of the grandma, uh, like the old lady or whatever she is. It, it's basically a 30 or 40 year old man wearing a mask that looks like a grandma, but doesn't even look like a grandma actually. That's killing these people. I don't understand what the what they were going for i don't know why they chose an old woman as the killer i don't know why they had to be at that cabin for them to be killed at it doesn't make any sense to me uh, wh- why don't you all jump in and explain some of the details about it because i i'm kind of frustrated with the actual plot itself because it's very thin there's nothing really to explain besides these people just oh. going up to this cabin Chris, Tyler, well, since you like that, it so much. It didn't even do it. What you just described didn't even do it justice. I can't even describe. Okay, so the hot dog scene, I took it upon myself to find like some interesting mm-hmm. moments about this film. So the hot dog scene was by far the funniest. And I want to point out it was 14 minutes long. The film itself <laughs> is like an hour and 10 minutes. And this hot dog scene yeah. goes on for 14 minutes. So they start in the car. <laughs> it's like, oh, guys. I feel like we're forgetting something. And they're like, okay, did you pack the sleeping bag? Yeah, I think I packed the sleeping bag. Okay, well, did you, you know, did you pack our um, camping supplies? Yeah, I have all that. What about the hot dogs? And he goes, oh, shoot. I forgot the hot dogs. And he goes, Kevin! And they literally talk about these hot dogs low-key for like 10 minutes. Then they get the convenience yeah. store, find the Oscar Myers, like you said, sitting on the counter, buys them for some crazy reason. And the, the granny that runs it. Okay, go ahead. I, I did not mean to interrupt. They no. actually stole them. I don't think they paid for them. <laughs> they fucking ran out. They That's ran out. Pissed. Yeah, they stole them. <laughs> I now know why granny kills the kids. Stole her fucking no. hot dogs. Chris, Good. this would have been a much did better I, hold on. Did I even explain what the title of the movie was? I no. don't think so. You don't, they, they don't need it. It's you don't important. have to. You don't have to. Don't worry about it. 
Okay, so the, the title of the movie is called Beware the Woods, and it's from obviously 2022. <laughs> and yes, it does contain uh, some some thieves at a, at the rest, at the gas station. Now, if the ending of the film would have been like her, like a granny coming to kill them, and he or she was like, "You forgot to pay for the hot dogs," or something like that, <laughs> that would have been acceptable. I understand, but I don't understand any motivation. The film itself was a mess. It wasn't like good. It wasn't funny. The filmmaking was really trash. I just don't think I can think of anything besides the hot dog scene that was redeemable. Man, it was so bad. It was, it was so bad. It was so bad. And there's another part that gets me. They're at the cabin, and the dude's sitting on the front porch, and he's. They're like, "Hey, I guess we're going to go start a fire for these hot dogs." When the guy's <laughs> sitting in front of a grill, he's sitting in front of a grill, and I'm just like, the only proper thing here, why they aren't fixing it on the grill, maybe there's no propane. Maybe there's no propane, but that's a big problem. They stole the hot dogs, number two. Um, number three, they're, so they're out in a field, and they're just, like, looking around, and the girl that's about to be proposed to, like, looks across the field, which is only about 12, 12 feet away, <laughs> and sees the woman, like, staring right at her, and she's like, oh, I thought I saw something. No, bitch. It's because you did see something. It was 10 feet away from you. It's, oh, my God. It is so frustrating. And then the fight scene in the beginning where, like, she goes into the cabin and knocks these people out. And then the one girl just wakes up the next morning like there's no blood. There, there's nothing. And the guy gets up and his, like, head's up against the wall frame, like, bent. And he's like, oh, man. My neck kind of hurts. Like, well, no shit. It's just, oh my god. <laughs> did Did you all notice that the ha- that the cabin that they go to, um, they walk in. They're like, oh, this is a this is an okay looking house. There's no fucking wall like walls. Like they're all took down to like the base of the of the building. Like they're renovating <laughs> the entire cabin. Like <laughs> they got a deal. That's oh it god, is. it's so bad. It's so <laughs> bad. What what about the whole like twenty minutes of it? Every time they come across the granny, they're like, You bitch! You bitch! <laughs> they just keep saying that over and over and it's basically just a cat and mouse. And at the very end of it, it's just like, I mean, you bitch. I think that's funny too. <laughs> it's the best part yeah. of the movie was the ending. When the credits <laughs> hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so the 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 killer is supposed to be an old woman, a grandma of some sort. But it's you can clearly tell that it's a 30 or 40 year old person in a mask. And they never mention anything about it being somebody dressed up as a old woman. Like somebody right. does the killing dressed up. They they lead you to believe that this is supposed to be an actual old woman. And if you go by that nature, I mean, it is the worst possible uh-huh. looking old woman ever in the history of horror films. Like, it is clearly 100% not an old person. Well, you see, that's, that's something I was to ask you guys, because I don't understand. Because um, I was watching the film, and I was like, so, is this kind of like, you know, like a terror train kind of thing, where, like, you know, it's masked? Or, like, oh, is, it, is the killer going to just be, is, like a, is it a masked killer? 
or is this trying to be an actual woman? Because you can clearly see it's like a person in an old woman's mask. Yeah, and that's so what I don't understand. A mask killer? Because when they're at the gas station, that you see her. She's the gas station owner. And yeah, she yeah. has the mask on. And she's serving customers in the mask. And people are talking yeah. to her with the mask on. So it, it it can't be like you would have to be like, why are you wearing the mask for? Like, yeah, they're it not would have to be. Yeah. It would have to be that they're wanting you to think that this is an actual like what the old lady is supposed to look like. No, see, that just makes it even all that worse. Like that makes it. Yeah. <laughs> because I the know. least they could have done is be like, oh, it's a granny killer in a mask. But it's not, you know, it's a, it's a mask killer. But the idea what? that they were trying to pass that off for an old woman. No, no. Was she wearing like yellow dishwashing gloves too? Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Okay, just just wanted to make sure. Okay. Yeah, and okay. Granny had to get those dishes clean before she took out one of those kids. <laughs> oh my god! It it was. They so had bad. to put her in gloves because if you saw the actual hands of the thirty or forty year old woman, you wouldn't see the wrinkled hands. So they had to put gloves on them. <laughs> hey, Which I gotta also, give Granny credit. Oh, go ahead, we're Tyler. assuming. I was just going to say we're assuming this is a thirty or forty year old woman, but there's really, I mean, it could easily be the director. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, I just don't understand why they decided to do that because you could definitely find. I'm sure when you're casting or whenever you're asking your friends or you ask your friends' moms, moms, grandmas, like you know, Betty or something, you know. I don't understand why they had to just get an old woman's mask to make somebody look old and then try to pass off the worst. Keep in mind, this is like the worst mask as well. It's not even a good old woman's mask. It is like a really poor quality. They could have done a lot better if they just would have said, hey, this is a mask killer. It's a mask granny killer. Yeah. And then, like, have like, yeah. this, like, one scene, like, where you have, like, the saggy titties or something. And make it funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you, if your main plot revolves around an old woman and you can't hire an old woman, change the plot, change the killer, do something that changes, like, work around what your means. Like, if you only have access to a 20 year old kid, change the story where it involves a 20-year-old kid, where the 20-year-old kid finds the mask or pretends to be the grandma. Like, something that gives the... If if they would have just been, like, one little shot of somebody picking up the grandma mask and putting it on, that's all they needed. Yep. 100%. They could have just done a pledge night. They could have pulled a pledge night. They could have pulled a final exam, even. Like, they could have just changed it from a hiking movie. Because it's obviously just, like, going off of, like, serial killer tropes and slashers so honestly it could either be a a hiking or b like this like weird like school they could have easily just made it in the school yeah you know they had access to that so i don't understand what they're trying to do with it yeah so pretty fair with with that being said uh, there's, it's such a small, thin plot. You can't really describe much more about it. We've pretty much covered the entire film. It's only about an hour and what? Probably not even an hour and ten minutes long. Not even. It's long. a short film. Um, so with that, I give it a rating of three out of ten. Ooh, that's like Citizen Kane quality ratings there for that. That's high. Ooh. That is. But way you high. know, you know some of the movies that I have seen. 
So the lower quality of films that I see makes other movies look so much better. And with some of those films, this one is not as low as some of those movies I've seen. Oh, I've argued man. with this in the past. I'm going to make you watch some of these movies in the future, and you're going to you will understand. Yeah, I want to. If, if, if you've seen worse films than this, send them my way because I want to see how bad it could actually get. Because this is this was way like, worst among the top twenty. I would say I've ever watched easily. My rating, I mean, I, I'm going to have to just do it. Um, I'm going to go one. One out of ten. Oh, my God. It is a one out of ten. If I gave, what was it, the um, Night of Something Strange or whatever, if I gave it a two, and I said, well, I gave it a two because the filmmaking quality itself kind of was like, you know, goofy, you know, fun or whatever. This didn't even have that. So how could I even, I couldn't even give this a two because it didn't have any, like, redeemable factor at all. So it has to be a one. Yeah. Um, right, Mike? It has to well, be a one. Come on, Mike. Uh, it, um, oh, no, listen. <laughs> I, 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 If I could do a zero, I would do a zero. Because, <laughs> but out of respect, uh, because I think the movie should have been focused on the killer hot dogs. Like, old expired <laughs> hot dogs. And uh, I would have given it a two. But honestly, I, I'd give it a one. There is nothing about this movie that was even remotely it, – it's not even entertaining. It's so bad. It is so bad. But you said it perfectly, though, Lax. If, if like, say the, the individual died and there's somebody – if there's somebody that just picks up the mask, then it would really throw, like, a, a, a bump in the whole movie. Like, oh, my God, this whole time. There, there was somebody like a killer, like a, would, a killer wearing the mask. It would be like if you watched Halloween and someone said, "Yeah, Michael Myers, that's his real face." Yeah, 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 absolutely. If all it needed was, I mean, a ten-second <laughs> scene at the very end, somebody picking the mask up and walking away, cuts off. That I may, I may give it a three, just because that leaves the curiosity and the door open. Not that I would watch it. But I'm just saying, it would leave it open. But man, it was a terrible film. It was a one, and I yeah. and I wanted to like it because of the hot dogs. But it's a one. I mean, <laughs> if right, they, so they would have tweaked it, it just all a time bit. low. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I officially agree. get a five star rating total between the three of us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, <laughs> it, it was it was bad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, hey, I think that this is the – listen, okay, get this. This is a the entire podcast about the worst. So yeah. you, you may have just won this. Well, here's the thing is each one of these movies that we watched is bad for different reasons. And I'm yeah. not saying oh, yeah. that – I'm not saying that my movie wasn't the worst of the films, but the ratings, like – for instance, the one that we watched with with yours, Tyler, um, uh, Dashcam had an amazing atmosphere to it, but there's so but much different things with it that made it so much worse that the ratings change because of what makes it worse, in my opinion. Well, you know, VHS is great because the segments are about 15 minutes long. What happens whenever you take something that should probably be like a 15-minute short film 
and try to extend it out to like a 90 minute narrative. And that's what we see with dash cam. That's what I think. Um, I think it's really, really what I think that's what makes the entire film completely fall flat because what happens whenever you make a film that's like more than like, you know, 15, 20 minutes? Well, you have to develop characters. You're going to have to develop, you know, a bigger plot. It's going to have to have, you know, arc, eventually arcing plot points, all kinds of like, you know, development and excellent filmmaking. So we look at the director of Dashcam, Rob Savage. He makes a film that apparently has been like dubbed as, you know, the Sinister Takeover. You know, obviously people said that Sinister was the scariest movie of all time. And it was according to all this like back science. And then we have Post comes out in 2020, which Rob Savage, which directed Dash Cam directs. And then they say, well, Host is the scariest film of all time. And while I was about to pick The Munsters, because The Munsters was absolutely horrible as a film, I could not let Dash Cam go by without having to talk about it. Because there's so many things about this film that really infuriated me. And I personally try to avoid really bad horror movies. So like you guys know me, like I don't I don't like if I know the film is gonna be bad, I don't watch it. I watch Dash Cam with the promise in mind that Rob Savage was in it. You know, that it was behind it. It's, it seemed like it's a pretty cool idea. I love the VHS films. And uh, this is a computer screen horror. So there's been a lot of those that come out lately that's been pretty okay. Think about, you know, unfriended, think about the host, think about all that. So we're sitting here in this, you know, in this film, and we get introduced to probably the most unlikable protagonist I've ever seen in my entire life. Without There's no doubt. probably. There's no probably. <laughs> it, it, this awful. lady, this lady is absolutely the most annoying lead person I've ever seen in any horror film ever. Yeah. Ever. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I would have liked this movie better if she was the first kill. Like if she just got <laughs> killed off. And just boom, done. She was very obnoxious. Oh my god! So, if anybody hasn't seen this, the main character is this taking place of the height of the pandemic. So, this is a 2020 style film. What's happening in 2020, guys? The COVID lockdown. So, we see a lot of like, I don't even know how to put it. Like, she's like, I don't know how to say it besides like saying like she's a trumper. Like, she's very, very apparently like super, super right wing, anti mask, all this stuff. And she's very, like, explicit about it. And it makes her character... I mean, it's fine if she wants to have those views in the film, but the character is so unlikable. And you just, like, hate her because she's so annoying and, like, explicit and blunt that before horror even kicks in or before the story really takes off, we already hate her. And we don't really care about her. So is she trying... Is she, like, the protagonist of the story? Because to me, it felt like she wasn't even that. It felt like they were even trying to make you like her. Yeah, Especially okay. fucking so awesome. before you explain the plot of the film, I have to jump into this. If you have a lead character <clears throat> and she is supposed to be, let's say she's supposed to be annoying just so that way when something bad happens, you root for the thing that's bad to happen to her. That's kind of like the thing you watch the movie to see the bad thing happen to the bad person, right? But she, okay, she not only is extremely annoying. But she has a lisp. And I'm not saying that that's bad or like you right. put people without li- with lisps in movies or whatever. But her character is so uninteresting that the only thing that you can focus on is the way that she talks and what she says. 
and it takes away completely from anything else, and it just makes it that much more annoying. <clears throat> like, if you're going to have her, like, yeah, she can have a list. That's fine. No problem at all. But give her a quality of some sort that makes you care for her, that makes you want to see her on screen. I didn't even want to watch the movie because I was so aggravated with her. And usually you're supposed to be able to go through and, and find certain things and or hate certain things about it. But no, when you hate the movie just because of a certain characteristic of somebody who's in it, there's no reason to even have that movie made. Oh, okay, yeah. now explain the uh, plot. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, the, for me, the the terrible story as well was was another major factor because, like I said at the very beginning, if it was like a 15 minute short film, it would have been interesting. This goes on to proceed. The only way I can explain it is eventually, just fast forwarding, where the story kicks in, they get asked to transport this, you know, woman across, like, to like drop her off somewhere. And essentially, we find out eventually that this woman is like a 16 year old girl, right? It's been a while since I've watched this. Might have taught me out a little bit, but she's like a 16 year old girl. There's crazy stuff that happens. And like people like start like levitating, start running through the woods. They get stabbed by like this like dirty needle at one point. There's just like absolute like over the top crazy stupid moments that does not add up whatsoever in this. And that's essentially like overall the arching plot was was that just basically on the road taking this person and weird stuff starts happening throughout the night. So that covers it, right? Yeah. yeah. So. It's a, it's, it's a found footage movie, technically, like you were saying, a, a screen uh It's screen a computer movie. screen horror, right. Yeah, and the movie is called Dash Cam, and 98% of this movie takes place outside of a fucking car. They're in the woods, yeah. they're in the restaurant, they're down at the apartment, they're down the street, they're running. Why the fuck is it called Dash Cam if it doesn't take place, the majority of the movie, in the car? Well, there's not even a dash cam in it. So, like, even if it was in the car, it still technically was a GoPro. So it should have been called a GoPro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how did you guys feel about, I get, would you call it the twist? Is that what you would call it? <laughs> how you found out the daughter is, like, actually, like, 16? And you're like, wait, I'm, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, it yeah. didn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. I was confused on what the hell I was watching. I saw Blair Witch. Y'all gonna die. <laughs> For that scene. God. Yeah, it, it was absolutely... God, the main character just did it, though. If she was just... If they just calmed her down a little bit... Like, the movie had potential. It really did. It, was, it wasn't I, I, like it was terribly shot or anything like that. It was just... It was... First person, I, I I liked it, but man, you're absolutely right, Mike. The movie was not shot was was shot good. It was it had a yeah. really good quality film to it. It had really yeah. good effects with it. the The camera work, the atmosphere was really really good. Like it puts you yeah. in moments that otherwise without these people would have been a really creepy moment. Um, yeah. But it really is the character and the dialogue that makes it so awful to sit through. I'm going to recreate one of the scenes for you, Mike. Character is running away from something horrible that just happened. I mean, something like someone just died. They're getting chased by someone that's probably going to kill them as well. 
And the lady goes, as she's running from them, holding the camera, she goes, oh, suck my balls. It's like, (laughs) why are you screaming this shit while you're almost dying? Like, it's the most aggravating, annoying things that just, I I don't even want to, like, think about her anymore. Yeah. Oh, God. There's a lot of, there's a lot wrong with her. A lot. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, it had a, a lot of potential. A lot of potential. And I would agree with that. I think the story itself is what really ruined this one because it did have a very solid. I mean, honestly, if the character, like, I think the main girl that's so annoying, she's typically a decent actress in film. So if that's how they wrote the character, maybe they wanted her to be that way. I can maybe slightly forgive that, but it's still to the point where it was so infuriating that the story was bogged down by her at the end. Um, it was beautifully shot. Um, I think that it was fun. I think that having like an online audience watch this as it's going down and kind of like, you know, going in and out. It was kind of fun because I know that at one moment, like whenever the feed got cut out, anytime the feed got cut out, you knew something was going to happen. And it was kind of fun because like the people I was watching it with were like almost playing a game to see what was going to happen. We almost knew when something was going to happen next because the feed would cut out like of the people watching. And we're like, that means something's going to go down. And then it was kind of funny because, you know, it would just come back on. And, yeah. So that was, that was a fun part of it. It was nicely done. One of the things that, um, that infuriated me watching this movie was I sat through this entire thing just waiting for that lead actress to get off screen. I just wanted her gone as much as I possibly could get her gone. And the movie abruptly actually ends. And the, the, the title hits dash cam and the credits start to roll. And I'm like, finally, yes, away from her. We're done. She's out of the picture. And then it cuts back to her again. And she's sitting in her car, like, like probably before the movie actually takes place. And instead of just going through normal credits, she fucking raps the credits to you. She sings them in a rap style in her annoying fucking voice <laughs> sorry i i she mm. she sings the song sings the credits to you in a song so you're stuck like if you're a person that sits through the credits you're stuck with her even longer than you want to be i'm sorry i have to disagree with that though because i thought that was the funniest part i mean they, i think she was so annoying the entire movie but i thought that was so stupid it was and it wasn't like i was like i liked it or something i thought it was like just so stupid that she was rapping the credits i was like laughing at that moment because after that, and, you know, it's just, it's all over. It's just, you might as well just join in. Just join in. I, I do want to say something, though. Like, I looked this girl up on IMDb and, and Wikipedia and stuff to see what she had done. And for a job, like, this girl actually does this. Like, she is a, a musician, and she sings stuff like this. She sings songs exactly the same that she does in this movie. And, and that's her actual voice. That's how she talks. Uh, which I don't have any problem with her whatsoever. And outside of this film, I I think she might do a pretty decent job. It's just the writing mixed with her, mixed with the way the movie's made, is what really irritates the hell out of me with this. I mean, she definitely is the the most hated character that I've ever seen in a horror movie, probably. So, touche to that. I 100% agree. (laughs) Yeah. So what was your what was your rating? My rating for it probably I'd, it's so weird because I, I don't want to go as low as a three, 
but I don't want to go as high as a four. So I want to be the weird one here. I'm going to say 3.5 cause it's right in the middle for me. Uh, I would rate it. <laughs> if it wasn't for the main, or if it wasn't for the girl, I would have probably given it a five, but I think she really ruined the whole movie. So I personally <clears throat> gave it a three just because of her. It was a huge letdown, a lot of potential, and a five rating for like you know a horror movie is really actually decently well. Uh, and it had, like I said, it had potential. It wasn't going to be anything super memorable or or great, but it could have been an average an average horror flick. But um, she completely ruined it, so I gave it a three. I agree, Mike. Uh, I think the movie had lots of potential. I think the the camera work was very well done. The atmosphere was very well done. Um, The effects, like there were some really strange effects and there were some scenes where like characters were were floating. Like there's a scene where the old woman is floating from the tree down to the ground. And it being a found footage movie, I'm not real sure how they did the effects. Like it worked that well. Like it made you think, how did they do certain things? Uh, Like the shotgun blasts, if they're running from these people getting shot by a shotgun, it's like, stuff's hitting trees and hitting the ground beside of them very and that would be like very well orchestrated to have to like run certain spots where they have stuff triggered and it was it was very well done and like you said mike that the main lady is the what ruins the film and i hate to say it but it's true she is the reason the movie is a bad movie um yep i gave it a three out of ten i mean i think that's fair can we just talk about how Dread Central um, wrote an article about how this might be the scariest movie ever? Oh my god! <laughs> I saw we watched this movie before that article was written, and I remember we're gearing up to do this podcast. I saw that article and I sent it to you guys. I, I like what the hell were they thinking? Like every year they start making this list of like what movies are the scariest movies based off of general audience members i think and i think the first year was like sinister i don't remember what the second year was this is the third year for it and then they chose dash cam as this film and i i don't know what they were watching like this is obviously not anywhere near a scary movie like there's some moments in it that could be kind of creepy but to generally be frightened by this movie i don't know how how that would affect somebody I think what it is is the guy who directed this directed host, Mike Mark Savage, and it was dubbed the scariest movie ever last year. That was a that was their pick last year, and this is his like second movie that came out that's been like gaining traction. So I feel like they want to like give him the title again, but they like didn't want to like you know not mention Dashcam for some reason. I don't know why. But I personally didn't get many spooky vibes from it. Like, it had some moments that were genuinely, like, you know, I think I jumped maybe once. But it's definitely not the scariest movie of all time. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, just so sensitive person. This was a Blumhouse film, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. It sure was. Jason Blum. Wow. That's crazy to think because, like, production quality is, <clears throat> is good for that. But, yeah, that's, that's I think that probably why they decided to make this or that list of the scariest film is because how high up in quality that Jason uh, Jason Bloom is right now. Uh, Blumhouse Productions is one of the most popular horror 
production companies out there. So I think they were wanting to gain traction on that by listing a movie that was kind of not well known. I mean, very well could be. I'm not for sure. I think is Sinister Blumhouse as well. I think it is, right? Yeah. So this would have been the second Blumhouse movie on the list. So I kind of makes you wonder because I don't think Host was Blumhouse, but this one was. So two yeah. out of three. So that gives you. Uh, I think that gives you a uh, a nine point five out of ten. So right now, yours is the second worst uh, <laughs> film. <laughs> um, but to switch things up, we went from a movie that was batshit crazy throughout it like a lot of weird things happened in high pace frequency going into what mike chose um which was a complete 180 with one of the <laughs> slowest uh horror films that we've watched in a very long time so mike will you uh tell us about this beautiful film you watch mike we, we can't wait to hear this exciting you know beautiful excellent executed film yeah it sucked uh no okay um <laughs> So I chose the movie They Them, and I was excited because it was I think early 2022. I was like, man, Kevin Bacon can't go wrong with him. Phenomenal actor. I mean, he's footloose, you know. Like, hey, I gotta give him a shot. But um, basically, it's it's about a group of teenagers that go to a camp. And I'm assuming it's like a conversion camp. It's an LGBTQ conversion camp. And it's like all more of a psychological, you know, stockish, mysterious slasher film. It's a mass killer. But um, you really get none of that. It's it's a very boring movie. But um, I'll, I'll highlight some of the things that I did like about it. Um, to kind of go off guard then I, or change the pace, then I'll go back into what I didn't like about it. I did like how the murder reveals herself to be Molly. Well, I thought that was a good twist. Well, yeah, I mean, but I thought that was a good twist in the movie. Um, that's why, even though it was a bad movie, it had a good twist to it. So, like, you know, Molly takes place as the main camp camp nurse. And, um, but I, I like I, how Mike describes his movies. Mike's like, Hey, I watched this movie. Here's the twist. No, yeah. Well, I, I wasn't, that's the only thing about this movie though. That was a highlight was the twist because like, I, I expected so much out of this. Like I thought, was it going to be like a Friday the 13th or was it going to be like a sleepaway camp or it, it like a mixture between those? And it was nothing like it took, what was it? Two people died within the first, I think it was like 50 minutes of the movie. So there was like, there was no killings. Everybody was just trying to figure out who they wanted to be as individuals. Um, Kevin Bacon was just a really odd character in the movie. I don't know how he saw this role, read this script and said, hey, I, I want to be a part of this. I've got to be a part of this. Um, potential. We lost Mike. <laughs> his movie was so bad that <laughs> his phone won't even let him record. Exactly. Zoom was like, we hear some talk of they them, so it's time to end <laughs> this now. Kevin Bacon was like, uh-uh, you mentioned me, you <laughs> Exactly. 
mention my name. It's like Candyman. Say his name five times and you're out. He's done. <laughs> As we speak right now, Kevin Bacon is probably murdering him in his house. So what can we do? Back to it. Just nothing ever really happened. Um, I, I really wanted a, a, a Friday the 13th uh, feel, um, like a uh, slasher film. I will say the mask of the killer was pretty cool. I thought it was like decently, it wasn't like granny, you know, it wasn't like a super fake looking mask. Um, the acting wasn't great, but it wasn't as terrible as, you know, I'm not trying to like throw lax under the bus as, as, as the, <laughs> what was it, the, the acting in that movie. Bad, the hell it was. <laughs> but um, it was just, it was so boring. It, like nothing happened. The characters, there was nobody super rememberable. Um, I think I looked at the big names in the movie. Well, the big name in the movie thought it was going to be very good, but it just wasn't. It fell really short. So it was just, um, uh, I mean, it, it was a big yeah. letdown. I kept waiting and waiting for something to happen. Yeah. And I thought, here's the moment. And then another 10 minutes would pass with absolutely nothing. Oh, well, here nothing. comes another moment. Another 10 minutes passed. Nothing happens for the first 50 minutes of the film. Yeah. Listen, here's anybody listening to this, here's what they're not telling you. They're not telling you that there is a very extended six minute scene where they're singing to Pink. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Which (laughs) was the the entire song. And that was the most entertaining part of the film. (laughs) I know. It was so stupid, though. It was just like, I wonder, okay, so. This is supposed to be like a queer empowering, you know, positive kind of uplifting movie, but it was very is evident it? that it was not. And that's what I'm saying. It's very evident that the people who wrote this, who had anything to do with it, was obviously, you know, had nothing to do with, you know, understanding what the queer community would want. And, and you know, it's, as a yes. LGBTQ horror film, I was like, who is the director? Okay, well, let's look at the director, John Logan. He's written like, films like Hugo. He's an old, like, 60-some-year-old man. I think, I mean, it, obviously, he has no experience in writing anything like this. Yeah, like, I was so confused because I, that's how I was thinking, like, okay, so this movie has to deal with the LGBTQ community. Um, <clears throat> but it, I can't tell if it was made to go against it or if it was to go for them. That's the whole thing, like... If it's to go for them, I feel bad for the cast because it doesn't come across that way. It comes across as if at, at what they, you know, how they choose to live their life or or whether that's, you know, not really a choice, but um, just how they live their life is a bad thing and they need to be punished for it. And I don't, I mean, that's the part that you, you get most of the film from. You don't really get the empowering part from it. In my no, opinion, no. like it, it doesn't feel like that way. It feels like they literally were like, "Oh, we got to make a movie to appeal these type of people." It's like, no, they're just as normal as everybody else. So why do you have to exactly out? like? It just it didn't feel like it was a pro LGBTQ film, but it's made for those people, and it. I don't. Uh, I will. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You go. I I I just wanted to like speak off of that. Like, yeah. If this was a movie for for the LGBTQ, like it, it missed, I feel um, it wasn't an empowering movie for their for 
for their part. Um, I think it was a huge fail. Um, it wasn't a, a supportive movie. It was almost like it was going against them. Like, hey, you know, if you are gay or if you are or, or anything like that, you're going to die, you know, or you're going to be messed up. I thought it was a big fail on that. And, and I didn't like it. I really didn't like that part. The only thing that I uh, that I liked really about the film was the fact that every single person who was part of that group, part of the LGBTQ community that was there at that camp, accepted every single other person that was there with the same issues. 100%. And I think that ultimately... I don't know if they like were trying to sign up for this film thinking it was going to be shot positively because it just doesn't come off that way. Like, obviously, I have no problem with... Okay, so we're obviously not going to be able to see the the film kind of like dictate that it's going to have a perfect environment for LGBTQ plus people because the film itself is a conversion therapy camp. So I understand they can do whatever they want in terms of trying to like say, like, oh, you know, we're going to completely make these people who attend this different or whatever. But even beyond that, even to themselves, like as they like speak, it's just like, it was written. So I guess I don't know how to even describe it. Cause it was written in a way that really didn't champion anything that, that, you know, that the community would stand for. And it's just like completely oblivious to to that kind of positive movement of even of horror. It kind of like is a slap in the face of horror at this point because so many yeah. films have done something like this a lot better. And um, I mean, ultimately, this was not one of them. And there was there was this like there were these like weird scenes where they like handcuffed them together and made them go to the woods, and they were like wearing these like weird cloaks and stuff. At that moment in time, you're just like, you know, get the hell out of there. It's like obviously, yeah, yeah, it's and, bizarre. And the movie, like the story, didn't even need it to be like that either, because the the no. entire plot of the movie is only to get these kids out of camp, so that these counselors can kidnap them secretly and torture them, and it just <sighs> there was no reason whatsoever for them to to, to single out the a community. I don't know. It just it didn't fit well for the story. There is no need for that. I get it if, if it's something that you're you want to make something pro for them, fine. But why would you go all around the attempt at doing that? Like everything that is for that, it seems like they're trying to go against and say all these people are against you. All these people are doing this. All these people are doing this, and there's no real outcome for them being in that community. Like it should have been something where because they're in that community they work together and they team up and they figure these things out but it didn't it, they didn't do that it was just like oh well somebody killed somebody so let's just go home you all leave and i'll you're right yeah, it was just... it, it, not to mention it was painstakingly slow there's just nothing that happens at all and like when we say there's nothing that happens at all it's absolutely nothing like we get yeah. introduced we're introduced to the characters and you just see them literally exist with nothing happening around them of any kind of substance for easily the first, you know, two acts. The third act, we're like, okay, we're getting somewhere. I think the third act does kind of come alive a little bit. You kind of understand where it's going a little better. And it does get a little bit more interesting. Like at that moment, you're like, okay, I can tolerate this last 20 to 30 minutes. But by that point, I was already so pissed off at the way that the first two acts kind of went. 
and how boring it was and how like misguided and misdirected it was that I didn't even really I couldn't enjoy the yeah. last 20 or 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And ultimately the payoff at the end sucked. Let's just be honest with that too. It just was not it was so predictable at that moment. There is a twist oh. to it. And I will say this, uh I, I didn't see the twist coming. Yeah. Uh, and not not the killer reveal twist either. The um somebody who's working with the counselors twist. Uh, and oh. there's there's the that that young guy who is uh working with them. Um when you finally fi- like see him uh with the counselors and everything or right before that, um it shows him taking his shirt off and it looks really weird. Like it looked fake. Did you all like notice like did you all see that? Like it looked like no. it was like a CG yeah, like I he didn't. takes his shirt off and like he gets in the the lake with that with the other guy. Like he walks into it, and it really felt like it was like a CG body with his head like on it. It was. I, I remember really that weird. scene. I don't remember that particular like moment of it. I do remember that it did feel very like. I think it may have been where it was so like smoky, and the camera angles were so like strange against that lake. It kind of made it feel a little it, ingenuine. Yeah, it, felt weird like it just it was odd looking at it it's um, kind of an ugly film too like the the film itself was shot kind of like it just didn't look good yeah I, I swear to god one of those scenes were like out of focus i was like man this is like literally out of focus <laughs> i mean it's it was definitely not made with craft i mean obviously it looks like a a, a film that you would see in theaters and stuff like a high budget film not high budget but you know it's a higher budget film and it yeah. is it just does not look it, it just looks ugly oh and this too okay so kevin bacon's character takes these uh, a group of the of the people out to the woods or the field and he's going to have them shoot a gun and teach them like how to shoot um, and he's like the entire time he's like I, I i'm looking for my killer i got to find my killer and then finally like somebody does what he would need them to do they need him to shoot a dog which which stupid anyways why would that's needed but whatever um so one of them goes there they actually do it they shoot the dog and he's like finally i found my killer what did that lead to it had no repercussion for the film whatsoever it's like one of those like weird sad attempts for the the filmmakers to kind of show like spiraling out of control or like this like kind of like you know crazy like turn of events is happening and starting to get really dark, and it's kind of just showing. I feel like Kevin Bacon's character becoming more and more intense with what he's trying to do. However, that being said, it didn't do that <laughs> whatsoever. No. It had a complete no. disconnect from the original story. Um, it definitely didn't stay true to itself whatsoever. It was sloppy, and it never came back around. Like there was, it never like it did not fit into the story at all. And Kevin Bacon was not even convincing as a killer. I was more convinced by everybody else besides Kevin. And so I, I can't say he even gave a good performance, being one of the main characters of this. Now, the the students, not the counselors did an okay job. Kevin Bacon did terrible. But the students themselves, the, the, the campers who came in, they, they all did okay. Yes, they, Especially, they were the only, they were the only right. interesting people in the entire film. Right. Everything was, but keep in mind also these characters were all one dimensional. 
like none of them really truly like, they try to like tell their story so each character kind of got you know about 30 seconds to a minute of screen time to where they explain you know what kind of family they came from why they're there the deals they made but the thing is is like even at that i felt like they had no true depth to them and never went deeper and never got more interesting kevin bacon had no real motive we hear that his oh. dad did this you know what i mean it definitely fell short, big time. Oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, honestly, if I would have watched this film before you see because it was a film that I really didn't want to watch um, before the show, and I did put it off because I heard nothing but that. And if I would have picked it before, it would have definitely probably been my worst film because I can't even say I liked it as much as Dash Cam, and I thought that Dash Cam was a, you know, a disaster. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I gave I gave this film a three. Like it wasn't as bad as you know the woods or whatever the hot dog movie. But um, <laughs> it well, I'll, t- I'll I'll take that back. I give it a two because it wasn't as good as dash dash cam to me. I mean, it was, it was, they're all bad movies, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't as bad as Dashcam because Dashcam had the most potential, I feel. Yeah. Um, I agree. Dashcam, out of all three, had the most potential. They, them, I think the, the biggest problem with it, it, it was just like Tyler said, it was just a completely misguided film. They didn't know what they wanted to do. It seems like it was made by somebody who didn't understand the topic that they were making a film for. Um, So that being with extremely boring, um, it was, it was well-made. The acting wasn't awful. Uh, The effects weren't bad. It was just story and misguided filmmaking. What did Um, you think of the torture scenes, Chris? Like, what did you think about, you know, like the last, like the moment they, they got them and like tied them up and made them like watch images of like female men and then like it, go back and forth. Very very awkward. Right? Very uncomfortable. Like I as soon as it starts showing like flashes of man and woman and then whichever one it lands on, like if you're the woman, apparently then you get the you get zapped for looking at another woman, which man gets zapped for looking at another man. It was just watching it take place and seeing these people torture somebody because of that was very uncomfortable it just it it was awful i agree 100 because i thought you know it kind of makes it i think they were trying to go in a direction that they were trying to like say like hey this camp's been around for a very long time and they've been doing this multiple times and even kevin bacon's character threatens at one point at least you didn't get my dad because he would have done done lobotomies on you but the thing right. is, is, like I, like we said before, it just didn't, like, the torture itself, it didn't really line up with anything that would have actually pointed towards this camp being, like, this evil place and just kind of come out of nowhere with no motives whatsoever. So I just want to get your opinion on it because I was just like, man, it's just, I didn't get that. Yeah, I, I didn't like it. I was very uncomfortable setting to the entire thing of it. Um the movie itself was like I was saying was we've all said it extremely boring. Nothing takes place uh, for the first forty minutes, forty five minutes of the movie. Um, 
but it's bad in a different way. Um, I gave it a three out of 10. Nice. Um, and I, I mean, obviously I agree. I mean, if pink was the killer at the end, if it was revealed and it took off the mask and pink was there and she was singing like, you know, perfect. And she had the knife in her hand. I would have been fine. However, Game changer. does that happen? I'm going to agree with them. Well, I think I'll agree with both your scores and really kind of, I think I'll probably go three. I, I'm not like it quite as much as dash game. I thought it was a bit more boring. So, um, do I want to give it a three? Okay, I'll give it a three. Cool. Cool. So that's a nine cool. out of ten. You get a. Did you get a two, Mike, or a three? I I, I did a two because I gave. Two. Okay. I think I gave. Yeah. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. eight. So you got eight out of ten. I had a uh, three or five out of ten, and Tyler had a, a nine point five out of ten. So technically, I won. I mean, <laughs> Yeah. We all lost. Yeah. We all did lose. For sure. So Chris won. Mike got second and I was in last place because I guess I just picked the best film as the worst. Yeah. yeah. You were the best worst film. <laughs> I try to that, that's the thing. I think that my film was okay, because some people really like Dash Cam and they like said, you know, it, it was a fun movie and obviously they've been publishing how scary it is. And to this day, I still read mixed reviews. Like a lot of people's, like you know, it wasn't very good, but I was entertained. And I don't understand what they see in it, but I can, you know, I, I try to avoid really bad films. I think that's why this was the worst one I watched. And um, it was painstaking to me, man. I don't know. So I don't know what people see in it. If I mean, if you have watched Ash Cam and you like it, maybe let us know why. <laughs> I don't know because I did not yeah. see that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, and for all the people who are listening to the show, um, let us know. Comment on our post or make a post yourself on our Facebook page and let us know what is the worst film of 2022 that you watched. Did yours uh, equal out to the same that ours is being like, you know, three out of tens or was it worse? Was it better? Let us know and uh, we will chat with you uh, in those comments or on those posts about them. And um, also, too, guys, we're going to do something a little different this time around. I think we're going to start something a little different. So usually we would spin a wheel and we would determine if somebody got extra points or minus points to, to help out with that. And I don't think it is very fair to the people uh, for the, the films that win to get a, a wheel spin and get a negative on there and then lose the, the game because of it or vice versa. Um where a movie that isn't very good would win the game because of the wheel spin. So what we decided to do was take that scenario out and replace it with um, topics. So each, uh, we're, what we would do is spin the wheel and there's going to be about 10 or so topics on the wheel and whatever the wheel lands on, that's what's going to be our topic for choosing the films for the next episode. So like we'll have werewolf films, slasher films, zombie films, like all those different subgenres on the wheel. And um, we will spin it and we'll, we'll choose our movies based off of those topics. So, um, all right, we got the wheel ready for spinning here to choose our next topic for the next episode. And our choices are between ghost stories, vampire flicks, found footage house as the horror that's tyler's choice he can explain that if we get that uh clown town films from the year you were born dark comedy horror 
werewolves, and shark attack films. Those are all options that we can land on for our next episode. So, Tyler, go ahead and spin that wheel for us to see what we get. And we get... Of course. (laughs) House as the Horror. So, Tyler, do you want to explain this topic? Yeah, so... Next time, we'll be doing House as the Horror, which is basically the topic explores, you know, like how, like, you watch a horror movie and the house is almost, like, part of it. Like, it, it takes on the shape of a character. Think the Amityville Horror, or the House of Suspiria, or, like, the Changeling, things like that. Um, so next week, or next time we record, we'll be doing something that where the house itself kind of takes shape as the horror of the film. All right. So we want to thank everybody for listening to us again. Um, We have a lot of stuff planned for future episodes and can't wait to get those started. Uh, Also a big thank you to land of the creeps podcast and Bill Vagel for uh, listening and giving us a chance to answer some cool questions on air. And uh, thanks everybody for tuning in and we will see you next time guys. We love y'all. Bye, guys.